Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. A couple of weeks ago, the Lord laid this on my heart, and I said, really, Lord, you know, this is, this is fairly basic, and you know what? We need to go back to the basics a lot of times because we just need to, to, to shore up the foundation of our spiritual lives. And so today we're going to be talking to you about the importance of the Word. You know, and because Pastor is going to be teaching here in a few weeks, you know, on our local church and why we're here and what our vision is for this, for this place and, and what God's put in our hearts for this, one of the things he probably will be talking about is the fact that we are a word church. Well, what does that mean? Well, that means a church that is determined to adhere to what the word of God says. You know, uh, there are times when people say, well, what kind of church do you have? And, we, you know, and it's always kind of cumbersome at times just to figure out what is going to kind of click with people. You say, well, we're a charismatic church. We're a non-denominational church. We're a spirit-filled church. We're a word church. They don't know. They don't have a clue what a word church is. You know, there are times I say, it's a full gospel church. Well, what is that? It's, it's a church that promotes and teaches and expects to walk in the full gospel, the full counsel of the word of God. And, and for us, you know, as believers, the word has to become the most important thing in our lives. Has to. You know, in John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the word. And so as you start your journey as a child of God, you need to find that, that place where you say, in the beginning was the word. As soon as I was born again, in the beginning was the word. And it has to be that. You, know, you, you can look back, some of you can look back and you can remember when, when you got born again, how exciting it was. And, and just opening the pages of your Bible was a journey into excitement every time you had the opportunity to sit down and feed on the Word. You know, and sometimes we lose that. You know, we get to the place where, you know, it's just kind of old hat. We kind of take it for granted. But, you know, we need, we need to remember that it's the Word that God has born again. Somebody shared the Word with us. Somebody shared with us about Jesus. You know, maybe it's possible you just picked up a track somewhere that somebody just left laying around and you read it and went, I want to do that. I want to be born again. And then maybe somebody shared with you. Maybe somebody in your family. Maybe somebody at work. Maybe a stranger on the street. I don't know. But it was the word that took root in your heart that caused you to believe on him and has set your life on a new path, on a different course than what the enemy intended. You know, the, the uh, people who go out and do you know, door-to-door and street witnessing, you know, one of their things is God has a plan for your life. God loves you and he has a plan for your life. Let me tell you, the opposite is true. The devil hates you and has a plan for your life. And his plan is destruction. But when you find out what the Word says, what the Word, how it can become real and alive in your life, you will see and discover things that you have never even imagined were possible to you. Because the Word says, all with God, all things are possible. And he's got possibilities out there for you that you haven't even, even 
dreamt of yet. I mean, his, his plan for you is just so incredible that I promise you, you know, you're going to love every minute of it. I, we were talking to somebody just a few, in the last few days, you know, about the fact that, that I had one nothing to do with ministry. Growing up, I was raised in the pastor's home. I was raised in church, and I didn't see anything that, that appealed to me at all. I mean, it just wasn't there. I didn't see any, any difference. But what happened is one day I found out that the Word can make all the difference. When I follow the Word of God, when I just believe Him and trust what He says and just go, it made all the difference in the world. And what I didn't want to do back then is something I can't imagine not doing today. Because of the plan of God that he set in motion in my life. You know, 2 Timothy 3.16, why don't you go over there? I want you to see this. Now, I know that many of you have, you know, the Bible on your apps, on your tablets, you know, all of that. But for me, at least, you know, the written page, something that I can take and I can write in, I can scribble on, I can make notes in, that I can go back and put my hands on. You know, it doesn't go down without a battery. <laughs> it's not battery operated. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. But uh, to me, it's it just it, the written page. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm just sorry. I, I, just like to have, I just like to have it right here in front of me. Anyway, chapter 3, verse 16, it says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God. The Rotherham translation of that says, It is God-breathed. You know, and we have to, for the word to become important to us, we have to understand how important it is to him. It is God-breathed. Go with me now to 1 Samuel 3.1. 1 Samuel 3.1. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but growing up, you know, we had Bible drills and all kinds of things, and so you found your way around the Bible pretty quick. And I know now with apps and different things, you just tap in what you want. I think, that's just not fair. <laughs> Although uh, there are times when Pastor, uh, Brother Steve's got his little thing going over there, and sometimes I beat him to it, which today I'm not doing a very good job of. <laughs> Look at verse 1. It says, And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. Now, I wrote down several different translations of that beginning part of that scripture. The New English Bible says, the word of the Lord was seldom heard. The New American Bible says, a word from the Lord was uncommon. And the Knox translation said, a message from the Lord was a rare treasure. Do we look at the word of God as a treasure? Do we look at it as a gift that he's given to us? How do you normally treat a gift? You know, you number one, you're thankful. Well, you're supposed to be thankful for the person who gave it to you. And then you t look at it. You know, and I, you know I, I qualify this by saying, you know, not all gifts are, are equal in, in our eyes because of a lot of different reasons. But, you know, when God gives you something, he gives it to you for purpose. He has an intent of why he gave it to you. 
And when somebody gives you something that has a purpose and a function, you should use it for the purpose and the function that it was intended. You know, my dad was, was terrible. when I would give him something, and he would sit it on a shelf and let it sit there for a solid year before he'd take it down and use it. I remember one time I gave him a hot lather machine because he still did the, you know, just the razor, not the electric thing, but the, he did a straight razor, straight blade. And, and so I thought, well, you know, the hot lather machine, that'd be a good thing to give him. And so he looked at it. You know, you'd have to know my dad, a man of very few words. And he looked at it and go, oh, okay. And he'd just sit it down. And then somehow at some point my mother would take it from beside that chair and go put it somewhere because she was tired of looking at it just sitting there. And, uh, and it would sit there gathering dust until one day he got the thing out and plugged it in. Maybe my mother got it out and plugged it in. I'm not really sure. But anyway, it got plugged in in the bathroom. And, and he used it. And I'm telling you what, it was like, it was like oh, this is wonderful. And I'm thinking, Daddy, you could have used it a year ago. <laughs> a whole year's gone by and you haven't even opened the box. Listen, when you get born again, don't leave it in the box. There's a whole lot you're going to enjoy about what's in the box if you'll just get it out and put it to use. You'll find uses for it that you never even you never even thought about. You'll find that this it brings such comfort, it brings such excitement, it brings such enjoyment. And you and you look at it and go, well, why, what took me so long? Listen, God has, has endowed the Word with so many wonderful attributes. And it's just up for us to open the gift and find out what's on the inside. There's more than you can imagine in there. But we take it for granted. You know, treasure <clears throat> denotes something that, that's considered precious and valuable. You know, and... Today, for some of us, you know, in the United States of America, the Bible is such a common book. It's everywhere. It's easily attained. You don't have to go searching for it. Maybe like me, you know, if you're like me, I had a Bible that I absolutely loved and I refused to give it up. And so when, when it was falling apart, and pastor's going, when are you going to get a new Bible? I'm going, I don't want to give this one up. I searched and I searched and I searched and I searched until I found one that was exactly like the one I had. So that when I went and made notes on the next page, it's exactly where it used to be. It took me months to transfer all the notes to this new Bible. But it, that one wasn't exactly easy. But for the most part, the Word of God is the most, it's the most sold book in history. And probably the least utilized. Yeah. Probably the least utilized. But what is a treasure? It's something that you hold dear that's of great value. Listen, there are parts of this world where just the written page is so uncommon. I saw a video clip a couple of years ago of a group that was meeting in an underground church in China. And somebody had smuggled in a case of Bibles. I'm not even sure if it was an entire Bible, if it was just the New Testament. And as they began to, to take these Bibles out of the box that they came in and began to pass them out, people would take them and just hold them and begin to weep. 
just begin to weep. All they had had was little bits and pieces, sometimes a few pages here and there, maybe one book out of the New Testament. Maybe that's all they'd been able to get a hold of. But the day came when they were handed an actual Bible. And it was so precious to them that they couldn't even open it to read it because there were so many tears streaming down their faces. Is that the kind of treasure that we find in the Word of God? Is that how we relate to the Word of God? That it's so valuable and so precious that at times it strikes our heart in such a way that it brings tears to our eyes? Do we understand how privileged and how blessed we are in a country that we live in that this is not outlawed? That it's available? That it's ours to read, ours to enjoy, ours to study, ours to meditate on? Do we see it that way? Do we see it as the treasure that it truly is? Or does it take us finding ourselves at a time and a place where this has become banned? You know, there are people out there who meet in places at the risk of their lives, that they carry the word of God with them at the risk of their own lives. And you and I look at it as, eh, you know, I'll get around to it one day. Oh, maybe I'll get to it today. Oh, well, I didn't get a chance to read my Bible today. Should we be more like them? One day, there was a day when most of you probably felt that way about the word when you were first born again and when it was just so alive to you. Listen, it can be alive to you every single day. It doesn't have to get old. It doesn't have to get wearisome. It doesn't have to get boring. It's not boring. When you actually begin to see what God has put in there for us, you realize it is the most exciting book you will ever pick up. Hollywood can't write the story that God has written in this book. They can't manufacture a film to equal the majesty of this book. When I see films that are based on biblical events, you know, it's hard for me to watch them because I I just go through picking out everything that's wrong with it. I'm thinking, if you're going to pick the Bible, at least do it the right way. At least be true to what the Word says. It It just frustrates me to no end. And when you go see movies that are based on biblical things, biblical topics, make sure you know what the word is so you know what parts are good and what parts are not. But Dad Hagen always said, eat the hay, spit out the sticks. Ignore all that stuff. It's unfortunate though people who don't know the word go into a movie like that, and though for the most part it's good, they come away with an idea about the word that's not valid. It's not correct. You know, we grow up sometimes, you know, thinking certain things, certain sayings or scriptures. They're not. Cleanliness is next to godliness. Whoever thought that was an actual scripture? Oh, you're not going to raise your hand. (laughs) Well, there's a lot of people who think it is scriptural. It's not in the Bible. I hate to tell you that. For a student of the word, you would know that right off. But, you know, it just behooves us to know what's in the Word. But, you know, we have, we've seen in our times where the Word is, has been devalued. You know, people scoff at the Word. 
They scoff at the Bible, that it's just a, a meaningless book from, a, from some made-up something or other that just kind of tends to make people feel better about themselves. Isn't that ridiculous? You know, somebody once said, a man with an experience, oh, how, how'd that go? A man with an argument is no match for a man with an experience. And let, tell you, let me tell you, when you have experienced the life-changing power of the Word of God, nobody can talk you out of it. People say, how do you, there's no such thing as a God. Well, yes, there is. Well, how do you know? I know it right here. I know, and I am totally convinced that God is who He is, who He says He is, that He'll do what he'll, He says He will do. You cannot convince me otherwise. I have been a recipient of too many of the blessings of God, a recipient of too many of the fulfilled word of God in my life for you to tell me he does not exist because he does. And he cares about me. He cares about every part of my life, and he's already made provision for every part of my life. Hallelujah. Go with me to Luke 4. Glory to God. Luke 4, verse 4. This is Jesus talking. He said, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Too often men think that we can always do it on our own. You know, when you say... Bread alone, that's the natural side of things. You cannot live successfully in this world just by natural means. You cannot. You have to live by the Word of God. It has to become the bread of life to you. And when we stop trying to do it on our own and let God start working in our lives through the Word, we're going to find out what life is really all about. That it is life abundant. Amen. Hallelujah. Psalm 119, verse 105. It says, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. Isn't it nice to know you don't have to walk around in darkness? You know you can see what's ahead of you. You can look down and see where you stand. It's a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. He will enlighten my feet so that I can take the next step down the path. But it's illuminated all the way down. You ever been on an airplane and you see those little runners of lights you know, and they tell you that they'll come on should power fail in the plane. Listen, that's the word of God. He's already got the light set up. So everywhere you go, your path is already lit up. You don't have to step out into nothing. But he's already shown you where to go. Just follow my word. Just follow my word. Just follow my word. Some people can liken that to the Wizard of Oz, the yellow brick road. Follow the yellow brick road. No, listen. God says, follow the path that I've set out before you. And he's enlightened it. So that we can see everywhere that we're going. We may not be able to see very far. Sometimes that's good. You know, we don't see where he's taking us to because we'd say, I am not going there. 
No, 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 no. Not going not to do that. Mm-mm. No. But he gives, us just a, he gives us enough to keep walking, to keep walking, to keep walking, to keep walking. And the light just keeps going on ahead of us, just giving us that much more light as we go. A little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. And at the end of our lives, then we say we have run our race. We have finished our course. You couldn't have run your race. You couldn't have finished your course had not he lit your path all the way along there. It's a lamp unto my feet. And some of us who were out power without power for several days have a good appreciation for what lamps are and for what light is. You know, especially when you stub your toe in the middle of the night because the house is pitch black. You know, that kind of thing. God doesn't want you to fall. He doesn't want you to falter. He doesn't want you to slip. He doesn't want you to stumble because he's lit your path with the word of God. Why do we stumble? Because we're not walking in the light of the path. If you'll stay on the path, you won't stumble. You won't trip. You won't fall down. You'll see the obstacles when they come. And you either go over them, go around them, or whatever it takes, you see them. You know, we've got many stories of many people, you know, who've run into different things. And I won't mention PG's name. <laughs> wound up with stitches because of it. <laughs> now go with me. You're in, you're in Psalm 119. Go to, go to verse 130. It says, the entrance of your word gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. The entrance of your word. You've got to put it in you. You have to give the word the possibility of entering into you. You've got to cooperate with the word. You have to let it in. You can't, you know, just like a closed door, just stand there and just, you know, leave him out there in the cold. You've got to open the door and let that word come in. There's two, there's two ways that the word comes in. Number one, it comes by seeing. And the other is it comes by hearing. You know, in Hebrews or, or Romans, that is, it talks about the fact that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It's important what you hear. And it's important what you see. Now, I don't know... Maybe everybody's not like me, but I, I am a kind of a, a twofold person. And I believe the word, it, it kind of goes along with the word. I learn best when I hear it and when I see it or write it. You know, in the, in the early days of the Word of Faith movement, people came with pads and pencils, notebooks, and they were constantly writing. And when they couldn't keep up, they just said, I'll get the cassette tape. And I'll go back through it again. How many people come today with a notebook to write something down? See, God's talking to you. In every service, he's talking to you. And if you say, I'm going to write that down when I get home, you'll forget it. God, when he says something to you, it is specifically for you for right now. And it would pay you to write it down. You know, if you've got a tablet that you can make notes on, great. But you know what? There's, there's nothing wrong with bringing a notebook to church and a pen so that you can write down what God's saying to you. I, I know Brother Keith Moore, he, he's talked about that just in the middle of the night. 
You know, God will wake him up and he'll speak to him. And he keeps pad and pen beside his bed so that he can write it down before he drifts back off to sleep because he knows the next morning he will have lost it. In service, it's the same way. God's talking to you. He's talking to you through what's being said. He's talking to you about what he's saying about what's being said. He talks to me a lot during church, and so I'll, I'll be writing myself little notes, you know, and every, down about all kinds of things. And, and I'm just aggravated with myself when I get into the service and I think, ah, I forgot my, I forgot my iPad because that's where I put a lot of my notes. And then go back to them later. But the entrance of your words gives light. We have to be ready to see and to hear. To see and to hear. The more you see, the more you hear, the more real it becomes to you. The word is something that must be reinforced on an ongoing basis. You know, Paul didn't think that it was a bad thing to repeat himself. You know, I come to you again. I come to feed you again. I've come to do this again. Listen, we don't get it the first time. We don't get it the second time. We don't even get it the third time. But it takes repetition of the word for it to be established in our lives. And that's what he's after, is for it to become established in our lives. Not just something that we kind of know about, that we're slightly acquainted with, but that we're established in certain things in the word. And um, let's see. Proverbs 4, go with me there. We've already talked about Romans 10, 17, that faith comes by hearing. Proverbs 4. Verse 20. It says, my son, attend to my words. That means pay attention. Church is not the place to sleep. To doze off to be thinking about something else. And I'm talking to myself as well. Many, many of the time I've had to bring my mind back, you know, in, into focus and pay attention because it, got, it started wandering off to what I have to do tomorrow or what I've got to do this afternoon or, or, what, or what am I going to teach on Wednesday night, you know, the, you know all kinds of things. But sometimes you have to, you have to bring it back in line. To keep yourself, it says, pay attention, attend to my words, incline your ear to my sayings. That word incline, now, this is some of my my notes that I get to to write down here from things that I had in my old Bible. It said, submit, this is from the Amplified, submit and consent to my sayings. Submit and consent. That means agree. Agree. Just agree with the word. Let your thought life, let your actions begin to agree with what you hear about the word of God and from the word of God. In verse 21 it says, Let them not depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. That word depart, you can go over to Hebrews 2.1. You know, it's just a real reference. It says, Don't let them flow past. You ever been in church and when the church was, service was all done, you kind of went and somebody said, so what did Pastor teach on today? And you go, um, 
let, let me think a minute. Ah, uh, what did he teach on today? You know, that's, kind, that's flowing past. <laughs> Don't let them flow past, but hang on to them. Grab a hold of it. You know, if you, if you understand that whoever gets in the pulpit has got a mandate from God for that service, that they have got what God wants from the Holy Spirit to be said in that service, then I think maybe there would be some more value put on it. Instead of, you know, if, if Jesus came through the door today and he said, um, I came in here to talk to you about the word today, we'd all sit up and pay attention. Don't you think? We'd sit up and pay attention. But it's easy for us just because that's just a person. That's just a pastor. That's just Pastor Angela. That's just a person. It's just a man. It's just a woman. We can easily dismiss what comes from the pulpit as just coming from a natural person. But that's not how this works. You know, if Jesus came in, you would give him that attention. You need to give attention to the same, in the same way as you would as if Jesus was standing by, back here. Because whoever's in the pulpit is saying what he wants said. He can't be here in person to give it, so he's having me this morning to do this. And so you need to pay attention. Come in, ready to receive. Let them not depart. Let them not flow past your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. The whole purpose of seeing and hearing the word is to get it down in your heart so that, like I said before, it becomes established. It becomes a part of you. It becomes impossible for somebody to tell you that that's just so much nonsense. Because you know on the inside of you, it's planted, it's rooted, it's established on the inside of you to the place that nobody can take it out of you. It says, for they are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. That word keep means to guard and to defend. And it says, for out of it are the issues of life. Flow the springs of life, another translation says. There's a flow that should come out of our lives. And it all depends on the word that we put in. For it's out of the word that those things spring forth, that they flow in our lives. And that flow isn't meant just for you and me. It's meant for the people that we come in contact with as well. Hallelujah. Um, I like in verse 22 where it says it's health to all their flesh. It's medicine producing health. Isn't that wonderful? The word is medicine producing health. Another translation of that says to, it, brings, it brings health. It brings to every part of one's flesh healing. To every part. Not just a part here. See, these are the things we need to get established in. What we find in the Word of God. That's why it is so important. You know, over in Matthew 7, you find the parable of the two men who built a house. One built his house on the rock. One built his house in the sand. And when the storms of life came, the man who built his house on the rock, that house withstood. 
everything. You know, it reminds me, reminds me of, you know, this, this latest hurricane and, and Brother Kirby over there talking to us about the home that he owns down in, in Key West and the fact that all around him was destruction, but his house stood. See, that's the house that's built on the rock. Uh, I have, we have a, some pastor friends of ours who, who actually have uh, some, some uh, affiliate church in the Virgin Islands. And, uh, of course, he was, you know, that first hurricane came through there. You know, they were, you know, believing God for protection. You know, this, I think it's a lady pastor down there in the Virgin Islands. And when they finally got word from her, her church building had one broken window. That's an example of somebody who builds their house on the rock. The ones who build it on the sand where it's not firmly established, firmly grounded, firmly rooted, it's the house that will fall apart during the times of storms. And the Word is that rock. The Word is what we build our lives on. When the Word is the foundation for everything we say, everything we do, how we react, how we respond, how we, how we go about it, if the Word is that, we will always stand. You know, when the storm clears, when the dust settles, we'll be standing going, Hello, how are you? That's, that's what it's all about is having that kind of foundation where no matter what the enemy throws your way, no matter what our culture throws your way, no matter what anybody says, no matter what anybody does, no matter what comes, we stand. And we're still standing through it all. Hallelujah. Psalm 119.81 says, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Matthew 24, 35 says, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. 1 Peter 1, 25 says, The word of God endures forever. It's not here today, gone tomorrow. We have so much at our disposal. You know, can, can, you, can you imagine living life without all that's contained in this? I mean, to know that, that God through the centuries has put all this together and put it in a book form and made it available to us and all we have to do is just pick up and read it and believe it. What an asset it is. What a resource it is in our lives. What, what life it is. What life it brings to us. You know, and it's not going to change. It's not changing. God's word does not change. What he said, he meant. What he means, he said. He doesn't change for the culture. Doesn't change for society. Doesn't change whether it's acceptable or not. Doesn't change whether you like it or not. There's some things in there that, are t- frankly, there are times where I go, I don't particularly care for that. You know, and that, that, I'd, really, I'd really rather not have read that. Because once you read it, you're responsible for it. Once you read it, you can't say, oh, I didn't know. Well, oh, no, I, Lord, I, I didn't know. Yes, you do. Yeah. And there are times when, you know, each of us finds places in the Word where we go, oh, man. Well, that just kind of goes cross-grained to something that I would like to think or like to do or whatever. It doesn't change because of your circumstances. 
It doesn't change because of your experience. He is the Lord who healeth me. He's the Lord who heals you. I don't care. Well, I knew so-and-so, and they were believing God, and they died. Well, then, I'm sorry, but they weren't believing God. Now, you think, that sounds harsh. It's the truth. When you believe the Word of God, the Word of God works. That's just all there is to it. Now, that just is where the rubber meets the road. And I've heard people say, you know, well, that just is so mean. That just, just say such a thing. And I'm going, well, it's not mean. God's, that's what God said. That's what God said. If you can believe, all things are possible. If you can believe, all things are possible. God said that, not me. He doesn't care about your traditions. doesn't change things. Unfortunately, there are times when, you know, we, the, the way people think has been passed down from generation to generation about what they think the Word has said. Listen, it's up to you and to me to take the Word of God for ourselves and find out what it says. You shouldn't come into church. You shouldn't go into any service. You shouldn't go into any, in, any place that's supposed to be a place where the Word of God is being shared without a Bible so that you can follow along and make sure that what they say it says is what it actually says. I don't expect you to take my word for it. I expect you to take His word for it. His word is a whole lot better than my word. I can share with you what I think, but you know what? It's possible to miss it. I remember times when a, a pastor told me one time, he said that Dad Hagen had said something in a particular service about something, and he thought to himself, well, I don't know if I believe that or not. But he, he, he respected Dad enough that he said, I'm going to stick that on the shelf for right now, and I'll come back to that when I've had time to go search this out. See, that's what you need to do. Well, don't sit there and say, I don't believe that. You sit there and say, I'm not sure I believe that. Let me go search that out. Let me go study that out. Let me go find out. Does that, is that really what the Word says? Is that what God intended for, for me to get out of that? You search it out. Don't depend on somebody to do your searching for you. You search it out. In, and there are no personal exemptions where the things of God are concerned. This passage applies to 99% of the believers, but not this one. You know, to, I'm in the 1% that doesn't apply to me. How many times do I run into people who, who quickly let me know that they can be born again, they can serve God, but they don't have to go to church? Well, excuse me, but I think the Bible says don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, as the manner of some is. That you need a pastor, that you need a local church, that you need to be in a, in a corporate body of believers. Wasn't my idea, it was God's. And yet they say, oh, no, no, I can do this on my own. No, you can't. No, you can't. Listen, God created equal opportunity. You have an equal opportunity to go with the word or not. It's up to you. You can make that decision. And it's not a backup plan. It is the plan. It is the only plan. It is the only way. You know, if you get into a conversation with people about, about the fact that, well, there's more than one way to God. You know, you call him this and we call him that. No, no, I'm sorry. But I have to be very adamant about that, very dogmatic about that. There is only one way. There is only one. You know, and 
unfortunately, when you find out, when you die, and you find out that you were wrong, it's too late. So, you know, it's up to me. It's my responsibility to tell you that there is only one way. Now, you can choose to believe it or you can choose not to, but there's only one. And thank God that there's only one. We don't have to get out there just kind of trying to feel our way through life, just trying to find out where God is and what he wants and where I'll wind up. And he's, it's very clear, very clear. And I just thank the Lord that there's only one way. I, don't, I, just, have to, I just have to find the one. That's it. How many people are out there searching for, for God and looking in all the wrong places? They're looking everywhere but the right place because they just can't conceive of how this works. Just, it just doesn't make sense. Listen, there's a lot of things that don't make sense to your natural mind, but your spirit man will be jumping up and down going, yep, that's it, that's it, that's it, that's it. That's what I was looking for. Amen. And the Word is an instruction manual. It gives us instruction about, about every part of our lives. You know, if you go through things like the book of Proverbs, it is so practical. I mean, it just, it just where the rubber meets the road. And there's just so many other places you can find it. But, you know, how many of you besides me have ever gotten a hold of something and it comes with an instruction manual and you decide not to read it? Uh-huh. Yeah. I put together an entire one of those hard plastic, you know, cabinets, you know, kind of stand about this tall. And when I got done, because I didn't think I needed the instructions, the doors were upside down, you know. I'm not the only person who's done stupid things like that. I'm not the only one. Because you need to read the manual. When it says, read all the instructions first. And how many of us have read the first few parts of the instruction manual and figured, then went, I got this. No problem. I got, I got this. Listen, that's what some people do with the Word of God. They read a little bit of it and go, I got this. I, I got it. I don't need to read anymore. I got it. I got it. And then their lives don't turn out the way it's supposed to and they're going, what happened? I was believing God. No, you weren't because you only read part of the manual. You didn't read the whole thing. You didn't adhere to what he said. You didn't follow the plan. Because when you follow his plan, when you follow his manual, the finished product is everything it should be. And it will function the way it should function. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm going to turn this into a two-parter. A series. Oh, my goodness. How about that? But it's 12 o'clock. And we've got communion to do. So we've got a lot more to say about the word next Sunday. Hallelujah. I just want you to get a a renewed interest, a renewed love for the word. It is the only thing that will sustain us. It's the only thing that will preserve our lives. It's the only place where we find the answers. And it has to become important to us. You know, there are too many places where you can go to church. And there are stories and illustrations and all these things that you hear in very little word. I love stories. I love illustrations because sometimes it really sticks with you. Like how many of you remember the roller coaster? See, those are the things that 
stick to you. But it's got to be founded and based in the Word. The Word can't be ignored for the sake of illustrations and stories and a good Reader's Digest article or some poem. It's got to be based in the Word of God. You have to understand that the Word of God is your resource, your most precious, most valuable resource of your walk with Him. And to do it successfully, we have to follow the manual. We have to follow the instructions. We have to keep it out because it's, lives are ever-changing. We're, I mean, we're, we're being changed from glory to glory. As we put more of the Word into our lives and into practice, we're being changed. But, you know, every day can be a new adventure in the things of God. The enemy is going to try to bring something into your path, into your life, every day. Every day. Well, you better be ready to meet it head on with the Word. I, I found out, I just, I put the phrase into, into a, my PC Bible study software this morning, and I put in, as it is written. And you wouldn't believe the references, how many references there are. You know, we have to get to the place where that becomes a familiar phrase in our minds. It is written. As it is written. It will be as it is written. I will have as it is written. I will enjoy as it is written. I'm telling you what, we need to get in love with it again. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.